We are in the Gemara in Tesem Bays 9b2 on the first column in the Art School Gemaras. <coughs> the Gemara now is going back to a statement in the Mishnah, not so much connected to the Korban Chagiga, a, 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 at least for the, for the large part of this topic. It's connected to a verse that says, Mu'uvas lo yuchal liskon vechesron lo yuchal lehimanos. That's something that's crooked, cannot be straightened, and something that is missing, something that's lacking, cannot be counted. And so the Mishnah said, one of the opinions of the Mishnah said that this is referring to the Korban Chagiga, that if you forgot, if you weren't able, if you forgot to bring the Korban Chagiga, and the holiday passes, so then there's nothing you can do about it. Once it's crooked, it cannot be straightened. You're not allowed to, you have no options left, you cannot uh, find a way to give the Korban Chagiga for that particular holiday. Okay, the Gemara now is going to have a few more explanations as to what this means, that if it's something which is um, crooked, that it can't be straightened, or something which is really lacking cannot be counted. The end of the verse says something lacking cannot be counted. And so the Gemara says as follows, Amr le bar lehillel. bar it's a bit of a strange name, bar Tosvos, the classic commentator on the side, explains bar means the son of hey the letter He, which was added to Avram and to Sarah, Avram was first named Avram. They added the letter He to make him Avraham. And Sarah was Sarai, and then added a He to make it Sarah. And that means, bar means that he is a convert. This is a convert talking to Hillel. And so the convert, we're going to have three stories between, with regards to this convert, bar So, Amr le bar Hillel. bar says to Hillel, it's a strange verse. It says something which is lacking cannot be counted. It shouldn't say that it cannot be counted. It should say something which is lacking should be complete, should be full. Why does it say cannot be counted? It doesn't fit with the first part. Something which is lacking shouldn't be full, cannot be full, cannot be filled up. But something, why would it say that something which is lacking cannot be counted? So he explains, this convert, Bar Hehe explains... What is this referring to? What does it mean that something that's lacking cannot be counted? It's, it will be missing forever. It's referring to friends who ask somebody else to get involved in a mitzvah. They come over to you and they say, let's get involved in a mitzvah. Let's go do this chesed project. Let's go uh, invite somebody for a Shabbos meal. Let's do something together. Let's go to, to Davin together, to Minyan, to pray and he says, no, I don't want to be a part of it. So not only is he missing in that mitzvah, but he's not counted with them. Something that is lacking won't be counted. He, can, he will never be counted with regards to that mitzvah. So we see that there's a concept when people do things together, when it becomes a social event to do mitzvos, so that not only are you performing a mitzvah by being part of that social event, but you get included in the entire group. There's some sort of merit for being included in the entire group. When you reject that, which is what the verse is referring to. So then you're not even you're not included in that group, and you've completely lost that opportunity. The Gemara now quotes a brisa from the time periods of the Mishnah, which explains similarly that verse, but they go that second part of the verse. But it first goes into the first part of the verse. It's also taught in a brisa. Move us, The first half of the verse says something which is quirky cannot be straightened. What is that referring to? So this is a. Different idea from that which was mentioned in the Mishnah. It says, Zeshibita Kriyashma Shal Shacharis, O Kriyashma Shal Arvis, O Shibita Tfila Shal Shacharis, Tfila Shal Arvis. 
Somebody who intentionally does not say Shema in the morning or Shema at night or Tefillah or Shemona Esrei in the morning or Shemona Esrei davening at night. If you intentionally do not say these things at the right times, so you lost out on that opportunity, it's gone. You'll never be able to make it up. It's time bound. You won't be able to make it up. This is as opposed to if it was unintentional, if it was totally by accident. So then there is a concept of making up prayers that if you forgot to do it in the morning, you can make it up in the afternoon or in the afternoon and at night. But if you did it intentionally, then you've lost out on that opportunity. But the main reason why we mentioned this is for this brisa is for the second half. Something which is lacking cannot be counted. This is exactly what Barhei said. This convert that it's referring to somebody whose friends they ask him to be, join them for a mitzvah and they and they the friend says no thank you so then he will never be counted with them with regards to that mitzvah they don't they won't have the merit of doing something in a group which emphasizes the value of doing things in groups to have learning sessions together in groups to be involved in chesed in groups to in tefillah and prayer in groups <coughs> if you say that you don't want to get involved, so then you lose out on that opportunity, even if you do the mitzvah by yourself, you still lose out on that opportunity of doing it in a group. Okay, a second statement of bar uh, This is also of a story of bar This is also to Hillel. Amr le bar lehillel. This is a bit of a famous uh, passage in the Gemara, in the Talmud. What does it mean from the verse in Malachi? Vishaftem Urisem bin Tadik Larasha bin Ovid Alokim Asherlo Avado. Asherlo Avado. You will see the difference between a righteous person and a wicked person. I mean, somebody who serves God and somebody who does not serve God. So the Gemara asks, Barhei asks, Hainu Tadik, Hainu Ovid Kahavim, Ovid Alokim, sorry. Hainu Rasha, Hainu Asherlo Avado. It says, you will see the difference between a righteous person and a wicked person. I someone who serves God and somebody who doesn't serve God. But the righteous person is by definition somebody who serves God. The wicked person is by definition somebody who does not serve God. So why is it repeat itself? Why is it repetitive? So Amr Leh, Hillel responds back to Barhehe, to the convert, and he says, No, there's an answer. Avado velo avado tarvayo tzadikim gemurim ninhu. When we say somebody who serves God and doesn't serve God, they're both referring to somebody that is righteous, somebody who really serves God. It's just different levels of serving God. What are these different levels? The enodome shone pirko mea pa'amim. It's referring to two different types of righteous people. The first half of the verse, between righteous and, and wicked, is the difference between righteous and wicked. The second half, between those that serve God and don't serve God, they're both righteous people, but one is somebody who reviews his studying a hundred times versus somebody who does it 101 times. And we're going to go back to this in a second. What's the difference between reviewing your studying a hundred versus 101 times? So let's just finish uh, this uh, story. So Amar Leh, turning now to 9b3 in the art scroll, Amar Leh, Barhei, says to Hillel, just because he doesn't do it one extra time, he doesn't, he reviews a hundred times, just because he doesn't re- re- review a hundred one times, that's going to be, he's going to be defined as somebody who doesn't serve, serve God. Hillel says, yes, Amar Leh, in, it's true, and I can prove this to you, if you just want the regular price, the market price for a driver, for a donkey driver. So the norm, normal amount is to is to go on a journey for 10 parsos. That's the distance, a particular distance. And that costs one zuz, one amount. But to go just one extra uh, 11 parsos instead of 10, just one extra one, it's going to cost you double. 
Because if you go more than the regular amount, it's gonna you got You're gonna charge double. So even just going from one hundred one to from one hundred to one hundred one, that distinguishes the person between that that the person that really serves God versus the person that what the verse calls does not serve God. So what does this mean? That there's a difference between one hundred one and one hundred. So two. There are many explanations for this. I would like to share two uh, different explanations. One explanation is that the difference between one hundred and one hundred and one in Hebrew is meya. The meya the echad, 100 and 101. And so one explanation is that you could study the Torah, you could study Talmud as an intellectual, academic endeavor. That's one way. That's 100. You can even review it 100 times. But then there's meya the echad. There's a different time. There's a different way of studying, which is 100 times. You can review it 100 times, but the echad. The echad, the one, is referring to the one of the Almighty. The one God that we have. That if the focus is on who is giving us the Torah, that we're getting it from God, that it's a gift from God, so then that's a very different type of a study. This is a religious study, a study to perfect oneself, to be, do good into the world. That's very it's very different than an academic endeavor. And so that is the difference between 100 and 101. That's one explanation. A second explanation <coughs> as to the difference between 100 and 101 is that 100 is... It's for yourself. You have a set plan. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to review the Talmud. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to review it a hundred times. I'm going to every ten weeks. I'm going to review it ten times. You're going to have a you're going to you're going to have a set structure of how you're going to do things. A hundred represents a set structure, so everything is going to fit within how much I have to review it. A hundred one means that you're in love. A hundred one means that it's not about the set structure. I'm going to constantly review and review and review and more and more and more because I. I'm, I'm in love with the, the study of the Torah, so I'm going to constantly review. It's not about the numbers of how many times I'm reviewing. It's about really the the the, the nature is a, is a love relationship. So I'm going to constantly, constantly go back to it and review, even 101 times. Okay, that is a famous passage in the Talmud. The, the Gemara continues with a final statement from, or final uh, conversation with Barhehe, with this convert. Amr le'eliyahu Barhehe, Eliyahu. Eliyahu Anave, Eliyahu the prophet says to Barhehe, Ba'amilela Rabbi Lazar. Some say that it's not to Barhehe to the convert, but it's to Rabbi Lazar. Ma'idichsev. What does it mean? Hinei Siravticha Velo Bekesef Becharticha Bechoroni. What does it mean in the verse? Uh, in the verse in Yeshaya, I refine you not with uh, silver, but I have chosen you for your poverty. That poverty is what really makes you special. Hashem wanted to know what's the way to really get the Jewish people to, to thrive and to see the uniqueness and the greatness of the Jewish people. Interestingly, the Talmud says it is through poverty. He, found that he finds it through po- that poverty by making the Jews poor, not extremely, the commentators say not, not to the point where you can't support your family, but the point is that it's not through wealth. It's through, uh, you know, making it, uh, making... Just, just making it so that you're able to support your family. That is what makes that is what makes the Jewish people shine. Amr Shmuel v'Tamer Rav Yosef Hanadam Rinchi Shmuel says, and uh, some say it was Rav Yosef who said this. This is what it means when people say Yaa Aniyusa Liudai. Poverty is good for the Jewish people. Kibarza Sumaka Lususya Chivara. Just like the red strap for a white horse. That different explanations what this means, but the red strap. Uh, the, the contrast between the red strap and the white horse shows the beauty of the white horse. That's one explanation. Another explanation is that the white horse doesn't need 
to have so many more extra parts to it. It doesn't need to have an embellishment to it. It's okay if it just has a red strap and that still it still has beauty within it. And so to the Jewish people, they explain that it's when we're wealthy, it's when we uh, have everything we need, so then we start to ignore God, we start to ignore others. It's a... Not that this ha- not, obviously there are exceptions to the rule, but it's a, it's a, it's an extreme test. It's a major test for those that are wealthy, and it's a it's a lot harder of a test than if you are than if you are poor. That if you if you're somebody who who uh, has a hard time has a harder time. Again, we're not talking about somebody who's completely who's completely poor, but somebody who is just making it so that they're able to constantly ask God. They need to ask God for things. They need to have a relationship with God. They they, they talk to God, it's easier for them to, to have that connection with God and to uh, represent the Jewish people. And the point here is that the test of Ashiras, the test of, of um, being wealthy, is a lot harder of a test than being poor. Being poor is also an extreme test, it's a, it's a major test, but it's found in a few places in the Talmud that the test for poverty is an easier test. Okay, the Gemara now goes back to the Mishnah. A second explanation of the Mishnah as to what it means, Mu'vas liskon, that something which is crooked cannot be straightened. What is it referring to? It's referring to somebody who has um, relations with, uh, a, with a, a man who has relations with a woman it, where it is has a, a violation of kares, where they are removed from, their soul is removed from the Jewish people. Uh, or the uh, different explanations to, to what exactly means kares, and the child is a mamzer. The Gemara says, the Misha says that the child is a mamzer. The child is somebody who cannot marry anybody that they want. They're very much limited in terms of who they can marry within the Jewish people. And that's what it means that if it's crooked, you cannot be, cannot be straightened because you have this child here who's always there. He's always a reminder that uh, that you have sinned. So the Gemara asks, the Gemara asks, hold it in, low, hold it low. It's only if they have a child so then the sin is irreparable that you constantly have that reminder there's a constant embarrassment. But if they don't have a child, so then it is it, it, it is it is repairable. How is that true? But we have the following b'risa, we have the following statements from the times of the Mishnah about Tanya. And they're going to go through a, a b'risa, but we're, for for the question, it's only really from the first part. A person could steal but return it. Different types of stealing, either in public or in private, they could steal and return it. But but somebody who has relations with a married woman, that married woman is now forbidden to her husband. The rule is that if a married woman has uh, relations with somebody other than her husband, she's now forbidden to her husband. Nitrin minaolam vahalaklo. Um, and so this this alone is something which is which is crooked, which should not be fixed. So it's not just the child who's a mom's heir, but it's also when you when a person has relations with a married woman, the results for that are lasting for for the rest of her life. She cannot she cannot remain in her marriage. And so the Gemara is essentially asking that why is it specifically when they have a child who's a mom's heir, even if they don't have a child? So then. You should still have this statement of that which is crooked and unrestrained and should still apply. But the Gemara continues and it finishes the Brysa. Uh, and the Brysa continues, and we're going to get to the answer after it finishes the Brysa. Rabshim ben Yochai Omer, Rabshim ben Yochai says, Ain Omer Bakru Gamal Bakru Chazer, Le Bakru Tzla. It says the verse of that which is crooked uh, cannot, uh, cannot, be, uh, cannot be straightened. 
it's not referring to cases where, uh, just like we don't say with regards to sacrifices, to karbanos, that you should examine a, something which is not kosher, like a camel or a pig. Rather, you examine something which is kosher, a lamb. So it's referring to something which is crooked, which was originally straight and then became crooked. What is this referring to? It's referring to a Tamil Chacham, a Torah scholar who has left the Torah. He originally he was straight, then he became crooked. And that's what the verse is referring to. Rabbi Huda ben Lakish says that a Tamil Chacham, a Torah scholar who has left the Torah, the, the verse says about him, a different verse, just like a bird wandering from its nest, so to a man who wanders from his place. The Omer, and another verse says, turning the page to 9 before, that they distanced themselves from Hashem. Because there was a Tamachacham, a Torah scholar who left, they have distanced themselves from Hashem. That is the end of the Brisa. But again, we have the question. The Mishnah seems to say that that which is crooked cannot be straightened is referring to specifically when they have a child who's a mamzer. The Brisa seems to say that it's not about having a child, but just having relations alone with a married woman, so then that married woman cannot, can no longer stay married. And then that has a lasting impact. It's not just the child. The Gemara gives three answers. Lokasha. Kan panuya kan It depends on who you're having relations with. If you're having relations with your single sister, so that also is forbidden and is punishable by kares. So that it's it's only irreparable if if it produces a child who becomes a mamzer. The, the if a man has relations with his sister, so then the child uh, becomes a mamzer. But if but if they, if it's a situation where the, a person has relations with a married woman, so then that is irreparable even without a child. A second answer, Vibai Simahavahabe, she says there are both both the Mishnah and the Brites are referring to cases where they're having relations with a married woman. The Lokasha Khan, now I'm turning the page to Yunamanov, ten A A, ten A one, sorry, Kambonis Kambaratan. It depends if it was uh, essentially a rape or whether it was done willingly. If it was done willingly, so then they don't have to have a child for this to be a lasting impact that's, that's visible, that causes embarrassment, that will last forever, if it's done willingly, so then the, the married woman has to leave her marriage. But if it's done forcibly, if it's, a, if it's done through rape, so then the woman, married woman does not have to leave her marriage, and then it depends on them having a child. If they have a child, so then the lasting impact will be there just from the child alone. Vibai Seimba, a third answer, Habba Habonis, they're both referring to rape. Lokasha Kambesh is Kohen Kambesh is Israel. The law is that even a woman who is who is raped cannot be married, stay married to a Kohen. A Kohen is not allowed to marry somebody who has relations even if it was forced upon them, and so therefore they would have to separate. Uh, but if it's, and if it's in a case where it's to not a non-Kohen, to a Yisrael, so then that is allowed. The, the woman is allowed to stay married if she was raped, and then it depends on whether it's lasting, it has a physical lasting impact, depends on having a child who becomes a mamzer. The Gemara now concludes before the next and final mission, I believe, of the chapter of this parak. It says, it quotes a verse that says, To one who goes or comes, there is no peace. There is no peace to one who goes or comes. It means that you're leaving something to go to somewhere else. There's no peace. What is it referring to? Three different explanations. Amarav. Rav says, Somebody who goes, they know how to study halacha, they know the mishnayos, they know the laws. And instead of studying the laws, which are really part of the explanation of just the study of the Torah itself, of the scripture of the Torah, 
It's it's the Torah Shabbat, it's the oral law to the actual Torah. Somebody knows how to do that, and they ignore it, and instead they go to Scripture alone, so then they won't have peace. They already know a higher level of study. Ushmul Amar, a similar explanation in a different application, somebody who knows the laws, and they also know the reasoning behind the laws, the contradictions, the, the Talmudic give and take, the discussion, and they leave that just to study the laws themselves without the whole underpinnings and the, the contradictions and everything that the whole discussion of the Talmud, if they relieve that and just study the laws, so then also they won't have peace because once you have delved into the deeper understanding, so then you have to continue with that in order to fully appreciate the laws. And Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, uh, There's different explanations as to what this means, but either if you knew both Talmud Bavli and Talmud Yushama, the Jerusalem Talmud and the Babylonian Talmud, and you just ignore the Jerusalem Talmud to study the, the Babylonian Talmud or vice versa, so then that will also cause you to no longer have peace because once you have, once you have uh, depending on the direction, so then once you have the Jerusalem Talmud, so you have to study that, or once you have the Babylonian Talmud, you should study that, you more of a focus on that. I believe Tosa says that it's, about, it's in both directions, that you have to have both. Um, but the, the general idea is that once you have engaged yourself in in deeper study, so then you have to stick with it, which is uh, good advice for us, that those of us, as we're continuing on with the Dafa Shavua, with a page a week, and we're studying Talmud, so we it's, we cannot stop. We have to continue, and we have to continue to study at this higher level, with greater understanding.